Welcome to The Salon Talk, Episode 3, with my guest, Celeste Myers. We pick back up discussing the lows of grief and the joy on the other side. So, I want to talk about, like, the low parts. Because, again, we're talking about smiling through pain. Um, For me, what a lot of people, I don't know about you, but for me, it was very difficult because there were always, always, always someone all day every day I'm so proud of you oh you're so strong (laughs) and so you know I got to a point where I'm thinking in my head like you can't tell I'm broken but of course they couldn't tell because I'm smiling right life is going on and the thing is people look and say oh I'm so proud of you oh you're so strong or whatever but it's like I literally can't sit in this like I got bills I have family I have a husband I have you know, I have a business or businesses. I have things going on. Like I can't just stop. But for me, what people did not see was the at home part. You know, every night I got home, it, it got to a point. I'll say this. It wasn't like, I don't know if it, if it started this way, but I ended up not being able to sleep. Like I was, every time I closed my eyes, I saw my mom, but it wasn't my mom. It was her through her cancer. I started self-medicating. I started drinking. And one drink every other day became a drink every night. And then one drink every night became two drinks every night. And taking pills every few days became pills every single night. And so it became like this downward spiral. One day I just come home and I pour all of the liquor out. I pour all the pills out. And I'm like, I'm going to have to find a way to get through this. So was there ever that time like for you where you know, did you ever hit rock bottom? Like, did it rock you to your core where like you had to find like an outlet? Was Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, um, if I am completely honest, it was the fear of me grieving that loss, what that would do to me. So for me, it was not only am I wearing this mask to try to cover up what I really feel like, it was I don't even want to tap into the emotion behind it mm-hmm. because I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. And not just look like, oh, I'm scared of like the ugly cry and it being really bad. Yeah. Like scared the dark side. Yeah. Like scared of what is, was it, where do I go from that? Mm-hmm. If the way I feel inside comes out, so much like you just, you're afraid of bleeding on other people. Yes. Um, for me, it was wanting to escape that feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. So whatever that was, wanting to escape that feeling because the pain was so great. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I didn't have time for it. Right. Like the day he passed, yeah. I immediately had to call family. Like I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to immediately grieve because there was work to be done. So I think for me, I used a lot of excuses of, I can't even go there. Um, Yeah. Even with my husband, like he is my safe place and he is my person. Mm -hmm. But even with him, like I couldn't cry with him. I couldn't. Yeah. Because if I did, I didn't know how to, like, if I allowed myself to, I would immediately stop crying because I was like, I can't go there. 
right? Because if I mm-hmm. if I do, I don't know how long this is gonna last. I don't know where I'm gonna I'll go. I'll stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I did. I masked a lot. I tried to cover up. Um, and it allowed anxiety to creep in. I would literally, like, my chest That's would funny. be tight. I would be, like, where I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, yeah, it started to manifest physically. It, it manifested physically. Um, so I did, like, I would have a drink so that I could try to calm myself down. I would try to, mm-hmm. you know, escape in whatever form, whether that was, I'm going to be in denial <laughs> or I'm going to have this drink so that I can ease my, whatever physically I'm feeling, try to escape it. Um, right. I think work became really big for me so that I could just yeah. escape how I was feeling. Um, you know, because as soon as you go back to work, people act as if you're okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. That for me became an escape that was unhealthy. Um, and I had to be real with myself and recognize, like, I didn't want to be on anybody's medication. I didn't want to kind of do anything that was going to create these bad habits. So I started going to therapy, (laughs) um, where somebody who didn't know me was not tied to how I felt or what I said. Um, I could just be honest on that couch and cry without feeling like I had to be strong for somebody else. Um. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part. Like, again, as women, we carry the weight of so much. And so, you know, you being in leadership, you being a wife, you um, having to be a daughter who was not only caring for a, 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 a parent who was terminal, but also, your parent who was still here, then handling all of the business, there was a lot of weight on you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the thing about that weight is that, like you said, we really don't even have time. It's like, but hindsight, would you have taken, cause no matter how long we ran, like no matter how long we ran from those, and remember I would say, if it's gonna catch you, you can run <laughs> all you want. Those feelings are going to catch you cause they're never gonna go away. All you can do is mask them. All you can do is, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, push them down, you know, you know, drown them out with alcohol, drugs, or whatever the case may be, or uh, whatever that person's vice may be. But at some point, it's going to catch you. <laughs> yeah. So in hindsight, would you address it quicker? Would you, uh, I mean, of course, everybody's journey is different, but what would be, would you do anything different the way you handled it? Would you do anything different? I would, I would have asked for what I needed mm, and I would have named it because mm. I think as women, especially black women, we don't, it's like, almost like I can do it myself. Yeah. I'll be all right. I'm fine. I'm strong, independent, you know, I'll, I'll be okay. And I'll make do, but I think there is strength in saying I need help. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I don't know. I don't know what I need, but I just need you to listen. Yeah. Um, and I, there were a lot of people who reached out and said like, hey, if you just need to cry on the phone, I will hold the phone and be okay. But yeah. my pride was so strong that I didn't even call, right? Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, back then, I didn't know what I needed. 
I didn't know what to ask for, but now, you know, two and a half years later, I do know what I needed. I, I needed a safe place where I could just let it all out mm -hmm. and grieve with people who weren't going to judge, with people who weren't going to question my faith, yeah. who weren't going to try to like, it'll be okay. You know, like weren't going to try to quickly allow me to get it together, but like yeah. just get like it out. One of the Just things be. for me was, I don't know about you, I didn't want to be around anyone who hadn't experienced it. Like, you know, you would hear people like, I know what you mean. And you're like, no, you don't. Like, your mom is still here. Your dad is still like, you ain't been through this. And so for me, like, of course you have those friends who are just, you know, they're friends. They love you. They, they your partners, they got your back. But then like when it came to that support system, and it was really difficult for me to even allow my husband to be that person during that time because his mother was still alive. And so he didn't really comprehend what I was going through while he was very compassionate, empathetic. You know, um, he was there. But for me, like to talk to him was very difficult because he didn't understand it. But then there was something that he said where it kind of brought me to understand that he was grieving too. Mm -hmm. you know when my mom my mom passed away seven years ago and so me and my husband this year will make 20 years so that was 13 years that she had been in his life and so and she was a mother you know like she helped us she was there I mean in all honesty she would call him before she called me <laughs> you know what I'm saying so I had to then realize like whoa he's grieving too because while I couldn't talk about it he talked about it all the time he was always like, man, I miss your mom. But when it came to me actually handling the grieving part, I could only talk to people who knew. So I ended up having older people, yeah. you know, who really gave me a lot of wisdom. Um, it never, like I said, never made me question God. It never made me, you know, be angry at God. But I definitely had my downtrodden moments. Like, like I said, that mm -hmm. drinking and everything, that just, it was awful. It took me a long time to realize that Philip was grieving too. Yeah. Right. Because he never cried in front of me, really. Mm -hmm. um, and he listened to me. He didn't, I wasn't in a place where I could kind of like have those conversations with him and receive it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he let me grieve and he was, you know, strong for me, but it took me a long time to realize, like, he lost his father-in-law, but, like, he lost, you know, a second dad to him. He mm -hmm. lost a friend. He lost, you know, every family gathering we had at the house. Like, they were outside together, doing things together, talking and laughing. And it took me a long time to realize um, that he was grieving. And in my realization that he was grieving, like, Philip struggled with, like, his faith kind of was shaken because he believed like my dad was going to be fine. Like, yeah, he never really accepted the fact that he was going to pass. That's how we were. Um, yeah. So like for him, he was, he was angry for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we had this conversation where he was, you know, praying and frustrated and God basically revealed to him that my dad had free will. Like it could have been a different way, but my dad was ready. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he's he honored my dad's request um, and that gave him some peace. Mm. 
And I think for me, um, you talked about wanting to be around people who understood. Um, I am super blessed that Philip's dad is like a second dad to me. Um, and we're extremely close. So he was somebody who I could talk to. Like he and my dad were buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad kind of pushed onto him like, hey, you know, she's going to need somebody. Um, and we, he would talk to me and he had lost both of his parents. Um, in fact, when Philip and I first met was literally a month after my father-in-law's dad passed. So I met him when he was grieving. So we would talk all the time just about like how I was feeling. And he got it, mm-hmm. you know, like he understood. I don't know how Philip handled it or how your husband handled it. Okay. So for me, Melvin was, he didn't know how to handle it. So I'll never forget um, leaving um, the grave site. Someone in his family was having a, a birthday party. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to go. And I'm, I mean, what do I do? No, I just put my mama in the ground. But his way of coping was different from mine. And of course, I'm an introvert. So, I mean, on a good day, I probably wouldn't want her to go. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I mean, I'm an introvert. So on a bad day, I want to go get in bed, you know, and I'll Ooh. never forget what you can say. Like, have you experienced a lot of loss in your family? Because Melvin's family is large, like Philip. Right. So for no. him, for Philip, loss is like, okay. We're going to another funeral. We're going to another funeral. Like, I hadn't been to so many funerals until yeah. <laughs> Philip and I got there. Now, that's a good point. In my family, it just wasn't, that wasn't the case. And my yeah. dad and mom, they didn't do funerals. Yeah. So it was very, um, you know, recent that they yeah. would even go to funerals. Well, I guess. For me, one, my family is small. Two, I'm introverted. So I I didn't do funerals from a kid. Like my mom would have to drag me to the funeral, like kicking and screaming because I would have nightmares. And this happened long into adulthood where if I went to a funeral, I would literally have nightmares of the deceased. So I just hated going. Um, but like you said, like I didn't start going to funerals until Melvin. Um, but his family is very large. So one thing I will say, I like to remember them the way I want to remember them. I don't want to remember them, you know, stiff and over made up in this casket. Like I hate the way they look at funerals. I hate when people say, oh, they look so good. And I'm like, no, they don't, you know, (laughs) they really don't. So for me, I just hate them. I've always hated them, but I did not understand. Like I mentioned, I'm not understanding that he was grieving the way he processes different. So in my mind, I looked at that as very, very insensitive. But then hindsight, when we, well, when it ended up happening, like I held that in for maybe a month. And I'll never forget, um, it it came to like this climax where I had been so shut down um, that he ended up saying something to me. And when I tell you, we had the biggest argument mm-hmm. ever. I, but at that moment, I guess because I had suppressed so much I let everything out. When I was done, I literally had no voice. Mm-hmm. I screamed until all of this hurt, like all of my throat, all of my, like every, my vocal cords, everything was sore for like a week. And I literally had no voice. But I'll never forget after we we exchanged, even though it was very heated, he let me know that he was grieving and he was trying to find a way to make me feel better. 
And while I, but while he was trying to make me feel better, I, I had to get him to understand there is no making me better. This was my mother. There is no better. This is something God has to do. And so once I got that out and I understood where he was coming from and he understood where I was coming from, literally went, I mean, literally uh, immediately after the argument, took a shower, came out, he was sitting on the sofa, he just patted on his lap. I laid down, put my head in his lap and went to sleep. And that was the end of it. Like we just, but we had to understand where each other was coming from. And so in marriage, I've heard all that to say, like, did it, did you see where it affected your marriage um, in any kind of way? I know that he was grieving, you were grieving. That can be kind of difficult. Plus you're having to be parents and all these different, so it's a lot of stuff. And your kids are grieving. We didn't even talk about that. Your kids are grieving. <laughs> so that's a lot going on in a household. It definitely affected us. Um, I think it allowed me to see, it allowed me to be vulnerable in a place that I like just wasn't vulnerable, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think either one of us expected to kind of walk through that journey this or that early in our in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allowed us to really just see each other as human beings and like people instead mm-hmm. of like husband and wife. Husband and wife, right? Yeah. Like to see someone that you love kind of grieving and needing you. Mm-hmm. Um, it deepened my love for him, but then also I needed to be able to articulate what I like, what I needed in the moment, right? Like I, I don't have anything to give right now, so I just need you to, to lay here and hold me. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you know, I need a break. Yeah. So you know, the kids would go to his parents' house, and you know, he would allow me some space and. We would talk. Um, I think for me, because I masked so long, yeah. Um, I think he walked on eggshells, not knowing how I was gonna respond. Yeah. And then I suppressed a lot. So it was having him having difficult conversations with me about being and saying, like, you need to go talk to somebody. And I wasn't myself, right? Because he knows the real me. He knows the intimate part of the fake. (laughs) He could see through all that I was trying to put on. Um and have those difficult conversations with me and say, no, Celeste, like, this is not it. <laughs> do something about it. Yeah. Um, cry, do something so that, you know, you can get back to you. Yeah. Um, you kind of mentioned the kids, like, for me, um, I had had conversations with Morgan prior to my dad passing, like, once he was, like, really, really sick, mm-hmm. um, kind of preparing her like Morgan got to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't know in the moment that's what she was going on, but she got to have, um, you know, that conversation with her. We actually ended up spending the night with my parents. Um, he got, my dad got home for, and he was going to start hospice care that Saturday morning and that Saturday morning he passed. So we ended up spending the night at his request. Um, so, you know, they were there, but the kids were so young that it was about a year more. Addie just realized because she used to say he was at the hospital. He was just at the doctor. Mm. Like she just realized that he's, you know, he's gone. Um, So they grieved in their own time, but I had to be well enough myself that I could be there for them. Yeah. That has to be really difficult to 
grieve, but also be a role role model. It's impossible. I know, you know, I come in and I say this all the time. I come in parents. Y'all do a phenomenal job because, you know, me not having children, I I guess God would grace me with the knowledge or the wisdom at that time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've been able to just do Marquita whenever necessary and my husband be, you know, mm-hmm. compassionate enough or loving enough to just let me be. Um, but I don't even know. Like you, I look at myself and I think myself to be very strong. Um, but... <laughs> you having to grieve and be a mother and nurture them through their grieving process. I mean, that, that is, I don't even understand. Like I can't even comprehend it. I think that for me, they were initially a lot of where my strength came from Mm. because I, I had to be strong for them. Um, But they also were kind of the push to, I needed to be well for them. I couldn't dwell in what was going on and kind of just wallow in it. I had to find some healthy coping mechanisms so that I could deal with the pain that I was feeling so that I could be the best mom for them. People love to tell us, oh, time heals all wounds. yeah let's talk about that I know for me you know dealing with my mother now of course it's been seven years but um this year was it comes in waves you know you live your life um in a way that I mean as we strive to please God they're still our parents and we know what they expect of us so we continue along that journey but um there is this you know ache that stays um and it's I would say unrealistic I don't know for me saying I I understand the the ideology behind the cliche um but is there ever really I think we touched on it a little bit earlier is there ever really real healing um I feel like I've learned how to deal with the pain yeah like I'm constantly like yearning for a conversation for a hug for you know something that is um familiar yeah kind of with my dad's presence but I've learned to deal with it Mm -hmm. um the best way I can some days are better than others and I just learn how to push through right like there are days where it feels unbearable and there are days where I can smile at a memory now, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, or I can laugh at a story, um, but I don't think that time heals. Cause I think the word heals means like, almost like it's covered up and it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's no longer there. No longer there. You may mm-hmm. see the remnant of a scar, but it's no longer, it's no longer open. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that it's not open. But I think with grief, because it is ebb and flows, I think that there are some days where the wound is gaping wide open. Mm -hmm. And there are some days where, you know, it is healed over and, you know, gives the appearance of being okay. I wish as a society, we were okay with being real. Being real and acknowledging our feelings. Like- um, And having the coping mechanisms in order to know what to do with those feelings. Yeah. And not let them become hazardous. 
yeah uh, to us you know what i'm saying yeah like i think about like even when i was saying earlier like i didn't know how to grieve i hadn't really experienced a lot of loss prior mm-hmm. to this so i didn't know how to grieve i didn't know what was healthy and what was not i didn't know what was normal and what was not mm-hmm. um so the masking became kind of my survival tactic, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of be able to move through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish that, you know, I had kind of been armed with the tools necessary yeah. to be able to navigate that space and to handle my emotions. You have to relinquish feelings, hard feelings. You have to relinquish, forgive. Um, you know, I'm really big, and that just seems to be um, the the going theme of the podcast is forgiveness. Even though on last episode we talked about um, you know molestation and sexual abuse, forgiveness is such a a big part of it. And so, forgiving one another, um, again, relationships may not always be great, but you don't want, like you said, you don't want to be at the end and you leap it in the casket because you got all of these regrets and, you know, can't find a way. And that helps also with the quote unquote healing. Yeah. I don't even know what to call it. We're going to put it in quotations. <laughs> I don't even know if it's really healing or, you know, like we kind of call it coping. But one thing um, that I wanted to really talk about um, and we'll kind of bring it to a close, but um, God's hand in it all. We kind of touched on it earlier, but I know there are a lot of people who experience death and really can't see the hand of God. And one thing that you said earlier that was so important is, you know, asking God, what is the lesson in this? And so what lessons through this journey have you received? And are you still, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're still learning, but how impactful, what lessons have you learned through this whole journey? So there was a quote that I um, found right after my dad passed. There was something to the effect of grief is the last act of love that you can give someone, Mm. right? So what I have learned is that as deep as the love is when somebody is here, that love does not diminish when that person is gone. Yeah. That love stays in, you know, just as much as I love my dad while he was here, I love him just the same mm-hmm. now that he is transitioned to be with God, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it is okay to allow myself to express however I feel mm-hmm. because my journey is my journey. It is not going to look like anybody else's. Right. It's not going to look like my siblings. It's not going to look like yours. It's not going to look like, you know, anybody else. Mm-hmm. But gone through this journey and it is okay for it to be uniquely mine Mm -hmm. because my relationship with God is uniquely mine and my relationship with my dad was uniquely mine so it it needs to reflect me that relationship yeah and I don't owe anybody any explanation Mm -hmm. for it yeah so on the days that I am smiling through my pain it's okay and the days that I need to cry and you know I need to throw a temper tantrum because I wish that he was here and I wish I could call him it's okay it's okay Um, 
and just realize that your journey is yours. And, you know, people are going to, because they love you, they're going to try to say things to make you feel better or try to make sure that you quote unquote heal from Mm -hmm. whatever that pain is because they love you and they don't want to see you hurting, but it is okay (laughs) to have your journey be yours and to kind of redefine what grief looks like for you. That's right. And I think someone needed to hear that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, people will try and determine what it looks like for you. But I think that was very powerful what you said. It is nobody's journey but yours and you owe no explanation. Um, One thing that was very, you know, like I mentioned on the first podcast and anybody familiar with me, I pride myself on creating safe spaces for women to be whatever it is that they need to be in that moment because when we're out in the world, we have to be so much. And so um, you could remember there was times I was like, I know you're gonna go home and Philip gonna be like, I thought you went to the hair salon because we literally sat there and talked the entire appointment and you're like, well, I got what I need and I'm headed home. And it's like, you didn't get your hair done, you know? And so just being able to have someone or just that space to be authentically you, I believe that that is a huge part of learning how to cope with it. I don't believe in Absolutely. sitting. Yeah, I don't believe in sitting on those feelings. Um, you know, I told you that all the time. You got to release them in some type of way because they will manifest physically. Stress can become high blood pressure, can become stroke. It can it can become so much when because our bodies were not designed to carry that kind of pressure, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I definitely dive in and take your time. You ain't got to do it the day after. Like I said, my mama was on an island for a year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I would also just encourage people to just take that time and find what you need. It was a blessing that you had your husband who's like, go get a hotel or you need to go see someone or something. Carve out some some type of time so that you can find a way to learn how to cope with your new norm. And I think that's what it becomes, coping with your new norm. The person that was there who brought you into this world or took part into bringing you into this world or who was just that you know, role model or, you know, monumental figure in your life is gone. And yeah. so your life is different. And so and I think also being <clears throat> open to new tactics. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of get you through. Cause I think our mind is a very powerful thing and mm-hmm. it will try to it will protect itself. Like your it brain is, is powerful and it will try to protect itself. <clears throat> We cannot neglect, and you know, I told you that we cannot neglect the human part of us. Um, while we are spiritual beings living in a human body, you know, as Christians, God understands. I think that we have been programmed to believe that because we are spiritual, we never acknowledge the human physical side of ourselves. And so, one thing that I am a believer on is acknowledging the human side. Now, while the Bible, while the scripture tells us to crucify the flesh, bring it unto subjection, all these things, while it does give us instructions on how to handle our bodies, how to handle our flesh, it does not tell us to neglect it. And so I think that is something that we must remember. Acknowledge it. 
whatever, this is something that I've been preaching just recently is whatever you don't acknowledge stays hidden in darkness. And who is the king of darkness? And so if you never bring light to it, you give the enemy access to play and tap dance on that. And so he can take it and manifest it into something big and monstrous if you never acknowledge it. So acknowledge it. Make sure that you're like, I'm mad right now. I'm sad right now. Or else you give him leeway to make it into something else. But once you acknowledge it, take it to God. I, I, you know, I will have, and I mentioned that before, I will have conversations with God like I'm talking to you. It's yes. like, God, I don't understand. God, I'm hurting. Do you not think, do you think he don't know? He he already knows. He He's knows omniscient. It, yes. anything. That's right. He yes. knows everything. So a lot of times he's waiting for, he said that his strength is, um, is made perfect in our weakness. Like his strength, like he's, the more we, if we never acknowledge our weakness, he can never be our strength. I think in having conversations like this, we are able to, bring that human side so that people realize like it is okay with what you what you feel is completely normal right it is okay um to not know you know how you're going to feel in the next hour it is okay to not know how you are going to get out of bed tomorrow but truly cast all your cares Mm -hmm. on god so that he can be your strength Mm -hmm. because i don't know how i would have dealt with this had I not had a relationship with God, like I don't even. I didn't have a relationship with my heavenly Father. Losing my earthly Father, like mm, you know, say like I don't know what yeah. I would have done. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. Because you know, I am a daddy's girl. Like I talk every day. Like I don't, you know, you. I don't know how I would have even moved on. But thank God, I had a relationship. <laughs> Yeah. Where even even though there were low times, even though there were days where I questioned, like, yeah. what, what do you want me to learn so I can quickly learn this lesson? Right. Because <laughs> this hurts. This. Through my dad's journey, like people were drawn to Christ. That's it. And that's that's beautiful, right? Like right. if if his journey was for somebody to see um, his walk, or if his journey was for you know someone to see how you know like my brother was doting on him to yeah. see a grown man literally washing his father's feet that may have touched somebody and yeah. literally allowed them to see compassion in a different way like then right. it was enough right right so and I think that becomes the lesson in it um yeah. while we can dwell on what they went through um for me like you mentioned like you didn't want to remember your your father in the cancer stage like it took a long time for me to get through um Mm -hmm. like I could not see my mother for the continual image of her with cancer like that's all I could see but it wasn't until I could see past it where that I could begin uh receiving the lessons and um even God the impartations of God about what you know things that I should have learned or even just hearing the different lessons that she poured out and just being able to see how many other people were blessed through her presence here on earth. And that becomes the part that allows you to smile. Yeah. 
knowing that while they were our parent, while they were someone special to us, they blessed so many other people. Um, and so just knowing that God graced us, I that's how I look at it. He loved me enough to grace me with her presence until he brought her back home. And also <laughs> knowing that they are in a better place, that we really break down what heaven looks like and what they what you encounter being on the other side and being in his glory, like literally sitting, you know, right there. Yeah. I mean, who can be mad? Yeah. Like I say all day, they're better off than we are. And so you just have to find the small things that can make you feel better about it. And so then that becomes the, the pivotal moment in your journey where you can begin to heal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. When I became, when I could smile, yeah, again, right, yeah. like think of him and smile, or think of a story and smile, yeah, then that's when I knew I was gonna be all right. Yeah, for right. me, um, it was so funny because my mom was a minister, mm-hmm. and before she died, um, we began talking about reincarnation, oddly enough, and um, you know, I believe that when they're transitioning, they are, I believe imparted with divine wisdom i believe that um because it's almost like they're kind of coming and going i feel like they um receive insight in the spiritual realm that we haven't gained access to because we are still still very physical and so um for her to be a minister and begin speaking about um reincarnation i thought was strange and not strange in a way Cause, you know again i'm very imaginative and while i'm very christian i'm very liberal um open because we have not begun to comprehend the mind of christ so i don't ever put those limitations um on him and so when i was in my lowest moments and you know this but now the world would know a ladybug would randomly appear it became so bad that I thought I had an infestation in my home because they would just randomly appear in my lowest moments. But my mother called me Ladybug. And I thought it was so strange that she would talk about reincarnation. It was almost like she planted a bug or planted that, that seed to say, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Just look for me and I'll be there. You know, oh, was that the Michael Jackson lyric? <laughs> but anyway. And so even in my lowest moments, I remember one time cleaning the house and um, something told me I was broken. I was so low that day cleaning the house. And something told me to go to the pack that we had her extra obituaries Mm -hmm. in. And I remember having this thought. Literally, I spoke back like, why would I open that? Like, I'm already low. Why would I go there? Literally opened it. And as I slid the obituaries out, a ladybug came out of the out of the container and landed on her face. Like it was just there is no reason that ladybug should have been in that pack. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like they were always around whenever I needed. Whenever I got my new business, I literally walked through like, "Mom, yeah. you remember that? Like, Mom, I need to know this is the right decision. What should I be doing? Is this? I need your blessing." And literally looked up and there was a ladybug on the window. And I'm like, thanks. You know, and while that may sound funny to someone else, you just have to find. What is your God sign? 
Like, yeah. what is the sign that is going to give you that peace? That's right. That they're okay. And that you're going to be okay. And that they're still with you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, so you know, we talk about like, oh, well, we'll see them again when we get to heaven. That sounds great. <laughs> but yeah. that does nothing for me while I'm here to know that they are okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I need some right. type of sign that's going to show me that they're yeah. fine. I agree. So at this moment, I just hope that someone was encouraged through our transparency about our our journey through grief. Um, While as women, um, we have learned to power through and smile through the pain. um, We also, there will come a time where you will have to deal with that grief. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing my grandfather used to say all the time is you can't outrun God, your legs aren't long enough. And so I feel the same way about grief. <laughs> another topic for another day. <laughs> and so, okay. And so um, you, I feel grief is the exact same way. You can't outrun it. You can numb it. You can, you know, press it down, sleep it under a rug. But at some point you're going to have to deal with it. And so I encourage anyone who is experiencing grief um, to seek counseling, um, build a support system and verbalize what you need. Um, And that takes introspection. That takes you to take time out. Um, Even, I know that we aren't trained to sit still. We are trained to keep going. But if you can't find the words to verbalize what it is that you need, then take the time out if that's what you need. Find a way to find whatever it is that you need and get it. Again, like my sister said, you don't owe anybody an explanation. This is your journey. Um, I just want to challenge somebody out there. I mean, to cut you off, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I just want to challenge somebody. You know, we've talked about our experience and kind of our journey. But if you have someone in your circle who is going through a loss, just show up for them. Just show up. Be a listening ear. Don't try to make it better because you can't. Mm-mm. Just show up for them and just your presence means a lot and your listening ear means a lot because <laughs> like you were that for me. You just showed up for me mm-hmm. and allowed me to speak and just however I was feeling. And that was a lot for you to take in having lost your mom too. You know, like so I just, I thank you for mm. doing that. And I challenge others to, you know, we're talking about our loss, but also just take the reverse mm. and just show up for somebody. And know that there's joy on the other side. Um, the enemy will attempt to keep you in this space. Um, and again, like we mentioned, like whatever is an acknowledged um, gives him leeway to play with. So the enemy will cause you to think that you have been forsaken. He will have you thinking that God is not real because you didn't get what you want. Again, I think that's where that misinterpretation comes with um, comes from. He tries to play with it and, and pervert it and distort it. Um, he will cause a lot of thoughts to come through your head. Now, this is when the scripture comes into play. When the Bible says, bring every thought captive under the authority of Christ Jesus, you have to begin thinking about what you're thinking about. And so if you're thinking these thoughts that are not of God, that are contradicting 
speaking to what we know to be the truth, then we have to bring them into captivity. Now that's difficult. So I'm not even, I'm quoting it, I'm saying it, but we lived it. We know it's hard. So we're not expecting you to even get it on the first try. (laughs) But definitely work at it. It's something worth working towards. Don't worry about keeping up facades and masks and um, carrying the weight of everyone else's expectations. Release yourself from that. Give yourself that freedom. Find liberty in Christ so that you can be what he needs you to be and what he's making you to be. Yeah. Um, because there's a lesson in this. He's going to use this to, to make you better. While it does not feel that way, he will definitely use this to make you better. And so um, allow yourself time. Allow yourself the space um, to be what you need to be in that moment, to do what you need to do in that moment, to say what you need to say in that moment. Just give yourself grace. Mm, That's the word. I like it. it is. It just hit me. That's the word. Give yourself grace. We're great at gracing everyone else, um, but we, we're our biggest critics, hardest critics. And so I encourage you to give yourself grace. Um, yeah, we hope you have been blessed. So until next time, we thank you. We thank you for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll still see you next time. All right. Peace out. Love you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Salon Talk. We hope this series has been a blessing to you. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share.